The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day. Get what I'm after Till the day I die 
yeah. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Searching oh, low and high, baby. I won't get to get what I'm after. To the day I die. I'm telling you. Open it up with the seeker. Uh, tasty. Just tasty. You know, yeah. we haven't we haven't made reference to the tasty scale in quite some time. We're back. So I must say, you know, on the, the one to ten tasty scale, that is an eleven. Yeah. Uh, and and Pete Townsend's just a just a songwriter's songwriter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and fantastic fantastic. harmonies too I mean Daltrey's obviously the voice of that band and they would take turns you know they all had their um, individual efforts here and there kind of like the Beatles did but uh, you know much like with with my boys in Van Halen the harmonies of Michael Anthony um, mixing with with Eddie Van Halen made them special same thing when when Pete chimes in he's got some pipes oh and how cool is it to be Roger Daltrey that you've got a guy with the songwriting chops (laughs) of Pete Townsend writing songs for you you're Roger Daltrey all you gotta do is scream notes and do push ups that's it yeah show up (laughs) look good sing the songs right oh good stuff all right. So yes, that was the Seeker. That was the rare non-album single hmm. uh, released in March of 1970. It was later uh, included on the Who compilation album "Meaty Beaty Big and Bouncy," uh, which, which refers to be, each member of the band. I you know think it? so. I yeah. think so. But it has to be everyone's everyone's nominee for the best album title of that era. True. I gotta True. say. I gotta say. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, it is actually kind of funny um, when they did release that song at that time, Pete wasn't overly enthusiastic about it. He was quoted as saying, it suffered from being the first thing we did after Tommy. You wow. know, and Tommy <laughs> was just this monster, monster right. success. And, uh, and I can see where that could potentially, mm-hmm. you know, be an issue. It's like, you know, kind of like what Fleetwood Mac went through when they released Rumors and it sold a gazillion copies. Right. And they came with Tusk after it. Tusk sold five, six million copies and everybody went, failure. Well, I do believe their next opus they started working on then was uh, Quadrophenia. I believe you are correct, sir. So, hey, I mean, there was still some water in that well, so to speak. And speaking of water and wells and things you got to dig for. Indeed, indeed. We are. We should. We should let everybody know today. Yes. Disclaimer. We are positioning ourselves as the antidote to reality. Yeah. We're not doing reality today, folks. Yep. No meaty substance of the show. This is the show that I will not refer to. As a very special episode of Riffs and Rants. Which, of course, makes it special. In its own way. Indeed. Because it's, it's a lot of fluff, but I tell you what, it's adventurous fluff. Yes, very adventurous fluff. And, and I think sweeping italic letters. needs a little escapism <laughs> or a little bit of an escape from time to time. So, yep. you know, uh, everybody get comfortable. Uh, Pour yourself a cold drink. Smoke them if you got them. Because we're <laughs> going to have some fun today. Yes, we are. Now, yes. when things get bad, a lot of us look to the past... Because uh, it's easy to enjoy the past when looked at through the rearview mirror, rose colored glasses, Indeed. whatever. Yep. And in the past lives, well, days of yore, treasure, <laughs> battles, glory, <laughs> kingdoms, you name it. That, that phrase, days of yore, kind of creates an expectation, doesn't it? Does. It, of, it does. You know, something medieval and, <laughs> and, and, and really cool and like. You know, kind of games of thronish, lopping people's heads off. Exactly. With, this know, is how you, you broad swords launch a like treasure that. hunting pyramid scheme. Indeed, yes, so yes. Just l- like let it. me run with this. Go, now. go, Johnny, go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in recent years, uh, something that that's been gaining in popularity is amateur 
treasure hunting. Yes. Because uh, let me tell you, Andy, we, we, you know, you, you get through one hour of programming on the Discovery Channel or whatever, and they might have, you know, the Curse of Oak Island, mm-hmm. where it's been going on for eight years, and I still haven't found anything yet. <laughs> but, you know, those things are fascinating. And, and other ones with, like, faraway places, and people are, you know, crawling through these tunnels and the pyramids, like, oh, I think the next chamber is the one that has the gold, yet they never get anywhere with that, <laughs> you know. But over in real life, the, the, the part of life that's not filmed, you've got people hitting it rich every day. Left and right, right? man. Left and right. And let's say, you know, in our generation, the closest we came to finding treasure was watching Harrison Ford in the movies. This, okay? is, true. this is true. Because what did we have? Kind of let us down oh, God, yes. Yeah, that debacle yeah. with, with Geraldo. Yeah. But, um, you know, you would still hear of people in isolated places, you know, shovel hits the dirt, or maybe they were using like a rudimentary uh, metal detector, yeah. or finding a map, God forbid, yeah. or those those timid souls that are still out there in the American Southwest panning for gold. Indeed. I mean, it, it, it happens. Yeah. But in recent years, with the advent of much better technology, up to and including like tiny seismic charges that record probably via an app on your iPhone, <laughs> let you know if there's anything in the ground. Uh, much, much better uh, metal detectors than have ever been available before. Right, right. And the dawning of, an, of a new hobby, which admittedly I find intriguing, it's called magnet fishing. Ah. And essentially, it's exactly what it sounds like. Right. You've got uh, like a pole set up and a high-powered magnet, and people, at least that have been, let's say, the most successful with this, uh-huh. are over in England or France or even uh, in the Netherlands where they've got these, these canals, these nasty, muddy canals yep, yep. that have been there since medieval times, yeah, at least, yeah. right? Literally, literally, what, hundreds of oh, thousands yeah. of years? Or even just soil that, that's prone to... Um, have marshes and swampy areas yeah. where, they, yeah. where the, the soil is so soft and they're so like saturated with rain, shit disappears real uh, quick yeah. out there. Yeah, something right? that could, could swallow something up. Sure. You know, and like not, it never happened. Yeah, you will not be seen again in this life or the next. Yep. Yeah. So, um, this, I, I, I keep catching stories about this magnet fishing and I got my wheels turning. And I, I'm a romanticist when it comes to, you know, history and exploring. And I just can't get around. That's what we're talking about this week, of how cool would it be just to strike it rich finding some old shit (laughs) that now belongs to nobody but you. Nobody can touch it. You're claiming rights on it. Yeah. That's got to be better, I think, than hitting the lottery. Because it's like... Plus, now you have something that, you know... The, the, the wealth of the items yeah. belongs to you, but you could share it. You could put it in a museum or sure, do whatever you want sure. to do with it. Well, how cool would that moment of discovery be? Oh, I'd you have know, a heart be- attack. Oh, yeah, before before <laughs> anybody else knows, yep. you know, and you've stumbled up, uh, upon something, and it's just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Now, yeah. The, uh, the funny side, I guess, or funny or used caution side of magnet fishing is a lot of this stuff, especially in Europe, that they're finding tends to be unexploded munitions. <laughs> Very got, got fragile, kind of, kind of rotting munitions yeah, yeah. from World War Unstable, II. Um, yep. Yeah, look out for that. But I'd say even that has now hit closer to home. Is that yeah. a pun? I guess to play with it words. It kind of is, yeah. Um, because just a month or two ago, a grandfather's out with his grandson, and they're doing magnet fishing off the coast of Florida, or 
uh, maybe one of the canals next to Miami. Okay. And they pulled up two sniper rifles oh, out of the canal okay. with their magnet fishing. So, yeah, right. that's clearly an American slant on this hobby. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's it's kind of got a, almost like a James Bondy kind of ring yeah, to it. Yeah, totally. You know? And they do say that in most cases, what people turn up, uh, no jest, munitions is, is number one. Yeah. But uh, pistols and revolvers and knives yeah. is the most common. Well, in all honesty, that's some pretty fascinating stuff. I mean, all yep. these things, you know, you, you start talking about weapons, have a history. Yes. Have a very unique history, and, and they're tied to time periods and whatnot. And if you get into that kind of thing, that's, that's, that's some interesting stuff. Yeah. And it there really was is. a spot in England, they said that uh, so many magnificent enthusiasts had gone there, and were finding things like I just mentioned, as well as safes. That really? had just been tossed in the canal, and they realized that this canal area was a major dumping point for stolen goods. <laughs> and then they would they would find because now now they're dredging it with all kinds of hooks and shit. Right. They would be pulling up giant bags of like ticketed clothing and everything that was stolen. Everything these crooks thought they couldn't wow. fence or were on the verge of getting caught with, yeah. they were just throwing in the yeah, canal. The man's bearing yeah. down on you. Yeah. Right. Throw the shit out. Throw you hear the out. dogs Quit. in the distance, throw it in the, yeah. in the canal. Yeah. Well, how many of us, you know, have had that experience when we were young and foolish and stupid, you know, driving around, you know, maybe you had, you know, some beer with you, you had a couple bottles. Of throw it out the window. Yep. And yeah, the appearance <laughs> in the rear view mirror... <laughs> Of that 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 set of headlights that you know, yep. you know, is the is the local gendarme, the the man, you sure. know, and yeah, turn the corner, throw it the hell out, quick, right? Yeah, good stuff. So it's interesting, fun. and uh, you know, on this note, I came across through a little research and came across uh, the ten biggest finds by amateur treasure hunters. Ah, okay, okay, which of course now, now what mm-hmm. what 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 defines an amateur on this? Uh, anybody who's not a professional. So somebody has a day job or something like that. Exactly. Right. right. Okay. So put it this way: um, probably the largest professional treasure find was the uh, the gentleman, the uh, the diver whose name escapes me. He found the treasure of the Atosha off of the coast of Florida. Okay. Which to this day is the biggest find uh, shipwreck wise, full of gold and whatnot from right. the Spanish Armada. Okay. Um, but he was a professional. He had the equipment, the knowledge. He went out looking for it. Corporate Bang. backing, probably exactly. some kind exactly. of yeah, stream of cash. Uh, and the same thing for, say, the whole you know searching out of the Titanic. That was a massive yep. corporate effort. Sure. Um, this is just Mon Pa Kettle with, in these cases, metal detectors. Random dude. Yeah, so we don't need all 10. I'm just going to go over the top three because I oh. thought they were the most interesting. Yeah. Um, and ironically, all take place in England. No kidding. Yep. Okay. So I get a chance to uh, flex how many of the uh, <laughs> Coronado Trilogy movies I've seen so I can <laughs> say all these little uh, these English village names. All right. So the number one, actually we should do it like we do everything. Number yeah, three. Let's do the countdown. All right. So number three is known as the St. Albans Horde. Okay. Uh, and this was discovered in 2012. All right. And it has a value of only 100,000 pounds. However, okay. Um, this only, guy. Wait, let's back up. Only, only for a regular guy. That's a pretty substantial I chunk suppose. of money. It's it's enough maybe to get a couple burritos with. There we go. So this cat Wesley Carrington goes into a shop uh, in the English town of Berkhamsted. Okay, right. bought a beginner's metal detector. Heads out to the nearest field. Sorry, okay. beep 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 beep. Looking right. around. Right. What this cat found was one of the largest hordes of Roman gold coins ever found in Great Britain. Ooh, wow. And it included 159 Roman solidi, 
which date to the 4th century AD, wow. and that is exactly when the Romans' uh, occupation of Britain ended, so this might have just gotten left behind. Damn. Okay. Um, How did he know where to look? He didn't. Dumb luck. Just went to this field. Wow. Right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that's the case of just a jackpot. I mean, yeah. this is what everybody hopes they find when they buy a yeah, metal detector, a, yeah, but normally like not the, the case. Yeah, grabbing a scratcher from their local 7-Eleven and, uh, and, yeah, hitting it big to the tune of six figures. Right, so this one I kind of like, the number two. And this is uh, the Le Catillon de Horde, which is weird. Why put an English word at the end of that? And it's always Horde. Right, right. <laughs> uh, this was also discovered in 2012. See, okay. the technology is making this shit happen. It's a good year for it. And that value, see, now putting things in perspective, was over 10 million pounds. Whoa. Of British silver, I, I'm, I'm guessing, right? Oh, yeah. So they say sometime in the 80s, um, these two metal detecting dudes, okay, uh, Reg Mead and Richard Miles, encountered an old woman who told them a story. She said her father, who was a, a farmer on the British Isle of Jersey in the English Channel, okay, uh, had discovered a couple silver coins while plowing his field. Interesting. So they were like, oh, well, let's head over there, you know, yeah, scope it out. Yeah. So um, they approached a farmer who gave them permission to search, but only for 10 to 15 hours okay. after the crops had been pulled. Because ah, then okay. it's, he's a farmer. He's got to plant more crops yep, and everything. Yep, yep. 30 years later of this, okay, okay they were still searching. Uh, and in June 2012, they spotted some coins. Damn. So you're like, wow, well, how many coins could they have spotted? Okay. Calling in some professional archaeologists, uh, the coins slowly made their way out of the ground, all 68,000 of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And 68,000? 68,000 coins. Jesus. That's a lot of coins. Hell, yes, it is. I mean, even if you weighed that, I think they said it was like something like 15 pounds of, of gold that they pulled out. Wow. So, yeah, 30 years. Persistence is key, I uh, guess. Yeah, I guess I mean, so. I mean, again, it's like the Curse of Oak Island. I couldn't have stuck it out for 30 <laughs> years. I mean, shit. That's a lot. Well, so like if you're really, really into it, you know, that's got to be like this tantalizing thing that you just can't, you can't let go of, you know? It, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose. Wow. And then uh, the number one one, at least this uh, this site listed. Did we, have, did we have a dollar value on that last one? Well, that last one, yeah, that was... Over 10 million pounds. Whoa. So I don't know what the exact exchange rate is, but a pound can't be too far for a dollar. And, and what did he pay for the metal detector? Oh, what, 20 bucks? A pittance, yeah. You know? a pittance. <laughs> so the number one uh, hoard is the, there's that word again, hoard. hoard. Yeah. Uh, the Staffordshire hoard okay. from 2009 yeah. with a street value of 4.1 million. Oh, there we go. There we go. Wow. And again, this is uh, this guy Terry Herbert, an yeah. amateur treasure hunter. Uh, was searching a newly plowed farm near Hammerwich, Staffordshire, England. See, there we go with these little village names. Indeed. I want to move there someday. Uh, I totally do. Yeah, that sounds cool. Uh, and his metal detector pinged. <laughs> so Ping. with the permission of the landowner, yeah. over five days of digging, 3,500 objects were pulled out of the ground. 3,500. Yes. And the interesting thing about this hoard... Uh, was that it's comprised solely of military objects. Okay. No vessels, no eating utensils, um, no jewelry, nothing like that. Right. And this one, they say, was um, over 11 pounds of gold altogether. Damn. Three pounds of silver and uh, semi-precious garnets. But they say even for that time, the garnets would have come as far away as Sri Lanka or Afghanistan. Wow. 
and they said it was probably from the uh, the Celtic tribe that inhabited that area right. way back when. Right. And as they were fleeing um, the approaching Roman armies, it was just like jump it, dump we're it, running for our lives it. now, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. So again, so do you think he like called the office and said, "Guys, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be in tomorrow." Uh, I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> You know, again, uh, I imagine the speech you would give your your company of that you're quitting because <laughs> you just found would be even better than any lottery speech you could give them. Oh, you know, man, seriously. seriously, I just I, I I couldn't even fathom it. But sadly, you know, we'd be hard pressed. I I would think yeah. to locate anything like that in the United States because the country itself is just not old little, enough. Yeah, history's a little different. Yeah. A little different. Yeah. Now I mean, maybe there's yeah, there's probably stockpiles of ill gotten gains all over the place. Oh yeah. Well if you go off the coast of Florida, you could probably right. probably find some well wrapped kilos of cocaine or something along sure, those lines. Sure. You know? But I mean even that, I mean our history does go back even, you know, pre the United States, you know, where people were sailing in from places like Spain and Italy mm -hmm. and whatnot, you know, back into the 14s and 1500s. If you know the shipping lanes, if you yep. know the, the, the routes these guys took, you know, I'm sure that, you know, more than one, you know, Spanish galleon got, you know... Oh, sure. ...got bashed by Mother and Nature there, and sunk still, off the coast uh, of Florida or something. You know, Captain Kidd's treasure is still supposedly yep. out there, possibly in South Carolina, right. somewhere around the Outer Banks, but... Yep. I mean, unless you've got like a mega satellite-sized metal detector, <laughs> finding this stuff, it, I think they would have found it by now, you know. Well, but there's a lot of things, especially underwater things that they found. Here we go. That all it took was one super nasty hurricane, and they they find this happening a lot um, on the east coast of Africa, all the way up to Greece. Right. That. Whenever there's a major storm, the way the ocean floor shifts out there, stuff pops up that they never knew existed. Right, you know? it's been submerged for centuries or whatever. Yeah, wow. But you know, the truth and the treasure is out there. So for all you ne'er do wells that uh, are, are just sitting there lamenting about your lot in life, looking for something to do in your spare time, go buy a metal detector yeah. or a giant magnet. Yeah. Just be yeah. careful where you where you throw that sucker. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yep, that's it. That's some interesting stuff, man. You know, Free you stuff. Do, do your do your homework, understand, and 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 you know, fill in the history of any particular area. Yeah. So you knew, you know, who was coming through when they were coming through, what they might have been bringing with them, yep. and uh, and yeah, it's 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 got a kind of a, a fairy tale ring to a treasure hunting. Right. But, it does uh, get the blood a pumping. Oh yeah, I don't care who you are. Very <laughs> easily see how somebody could get a little on the obsessed side with something like Absolutely. this. Absolutely, you know, especially if you get a little taste. Yes, you know, if you, you maybe find one coin or two coins or something yep. like that, you're ooh, you know, it might three be wives later, you're still looking. <laughs> they're, they're still complaining. Yeah, but well, honey, we're so close. Yeah, well, you gotta you gotta find a girl that's... <laughs> you know, open-minded, I guess, and is willing to, you know, sure. entertain your fantasies. God knows, maybe join you. Yep. You know, it just—it's that allure of easy money. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, even if even if it isn't, but yeah, that's that would be a very American, you know, approach to it. But even even that that wasn't, you know, really what it was all about. Maybe you're just out there for, you know, the fun and the intrigue and and whatnot, you know. And that's that the, the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is just a. A reward, you know. I mean, how many people do scratches really expecting, you know, much? It's that adrenaline rush. You know, I don't know. Your, Have you been your... to a Seven Eleven on the first of the month? Not recently. I, I think some of those people need to be reminded. It's a it's a lottery ticket. It's not a four hundred one k. Ah, let's get okay. real here. Okay, you know? I got you. I got you. <laughs> At least if you're looking for treasure, you're out there doing the legwork. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. 
That sounds fun to me. It sounds fun. Yeah. You know? I'm glad you approved because <laughs> we might have to go out and start looking for some I, shit. I was going to say, yeah, a little, <laughs> a little funding for the show here. I yeah. can't afford a... Uh, a uh, what are those, those people that help you up the mountain and Mount Everest? Oh, the Sherpas? Yes, I yeah. can't afford a Sherpa. <laughs> so what size backpack do you wear? There we go. All right, on that note, it's time for the middle gem. Very nice. Matching the theme of what we're doing here, because, hey, baby, it's all about the easy money. <laughs> and never was that put more eloquently than one of my favorites, Mr. William Joel, back in the early 80s. This is Johnny's uh, Wheelhouse, folks. Yeah. This is going to be good. Also, the uh, the title track to the uh, 1982, I believe it was, movie with Rodney Dangerfield by the same name. Okay. This is, of course, his track, Easy Money. We're going to play it for you right now, and we'll be back in a few minutes with some more things and glorious golden stuff. Someone's got a fortune that they're begging me to take 
Little Billy Joel. Well, that's the best kind of money, my friend. Is the right, easy all right. money. Yep. yep Back yep, in yep. the day, in my misspent youth. Yes. That song was a bit of a theme song. Of really? Mine. Okay. Yes. Okay. Especially the line where I'll either come home a bummer or a king, baby. I don't know. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Truer words never spoken. Man wrote some good lyrics. I gotta say he did. I he did say. before he turned into you know eighties Billy Joel. Yeah, but uh, that was off of the uh, the Innocent Man album, okay. uh, nineteen eighty three. Yeah, and like I said, they used that as the title track for a very funny Rodney Dangerfield movie called Easy Money. That was kind of Rodney's heyday back then. Too, yes, wasn't it was. It? He was on a roll back then. Yeah. Had, I think. I think I'm going out on a limb. Caddyshack was first. This was second, and then within a couple of years, he did back to back school. Back to school, yeah. Yep. Yep. He could just, it, it was gold, yep. you know? Yep. His own place, the Laugh Factor and all that, and Dangerfields, he was blowing up he that thing. He was rolling, thing. he was rolling. Introducing us to so many young comedians at the time. Quite a few, quite a few. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, you know, props to Rodney. Yeah, so continuing our theme of the whimsical yes, and the adventurous. The antidote to reality today, people. Totally. I wonder if I was take a poll. Have you forgotten about the world's troubles yet? Oh, God. Because you haven't yet, you're going to now. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of treasure hunting, we're still yes. kind of on that. You know, given, given uh, how much Hollywood has mined from the concept of treasure hunting, mm-hmm. you've got to tell yourself there's something to it, obviously. Sure. You know, that sense <laughs> of adventure, like, really appeals to people. And danger for yeah, some. Yeah, for yeah, some, it's too, a dangerous too, uh, exposition. That's too, and yeah, there's been a, a a run of actually really good movies. Yes, that that totally totally you know run with that whole concept that people obviously have been very receptive to. Yeah, you know, you know because there's something to be said on a very basic psychological level yeah. of what greed does to people. <laughs> and let's face it, as, as, you know, your first step towards becoming a treasure hunter is some element of greed. Yeah. Granted, yeah, there I'll might agree. be curiosity. You might have been doing it for like an educational standpoint. But yeah. look, who's kidding who? There's greed involved there. Well, this is uh, absolutely, and I couldn't agree with you more, but this is also uh, an area where I, I, I kind of... Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. I don't know, wrestle with my sense of cynicism <laughs> in that there's a sense of adventure here too. You know, yes. and that's, that's kind of like, you know, where I like to focus on, if I can, as long as we're escaping reality tonight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, they're... The I, will, I will grant you that boon. Okay, very good. I appreciate... Indiana Sean Lee. I appreciate the boon. <laughs> I'm not sure what a boon is, but I'm good with it. It's, I am good it's, with it's it. It's a treasure. It's a gift. But, yeah, like we were discussing prior to the show, you know, a lot of good, good, fun movies. Yes. Uh, centered around this concept, around this topic. And, uh, and I had a couple I- other ideas I was going to go with, folks, but he won me over with the very simple concept of... Fun. Fun. And our favorite, we went with, or each have a, have a top three, because that yes. tends to be what works for us. Because we don't do that too often. Not anymore, at least. No. And that's our, our top three treasure hunting movies of all time. Very, very difficult to narrow it down to three, very. I gotta say. Truth be told, we each say. came at each other with like 10. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? And whenever we do top three, there's, yes, there's an inherent competition. Yep. Um, but this one, I think we, we, it was a dead heat because some of these movies are just so good. Yeah. And the ones that I had forgotten about, Michael Hughes and vice versa. Yeah. So let's hit that. We're going to do three each. Let's run with it, Johnny. All right. What do you got for your number three? Well, and again, so many were, were in the running. Sorry if I insulted everybody, but yeah, people are going to be like, that movie's stupid. Oh, I know. I know. The the movies that got excluded on this one could be their own. So an element of it was, we were also trying to be original. Okay. So, 
Coming in at my number three uh, is a movie called The Rundown, All right. which was the first real cinematic appearance of Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. I, The Rock. I remember that. Uh, it also who was stars... This, yeah, who was his co-star on that one? That um, was... Um, sh- Sean Michael Scott? Is that what it was? We always forget it. It's yeah, three I know, names. I know. He's Stifler. Right. Yeah, Stifler. There Stifler's we go. That's in all it. We Rosario yeah. Dawson's in it. And of course, chewing up every ounce of scenery he can get his hands on. Do you understand the concept of the Tooth Fairy? Christopher Walken is yep. the big bad in this one. Good cast. Um, yeah, without getting into the whole gist of the story, it's it's action-packed. It's like a buddy comedy action movie. It's got everything. Yeah, and it's vintage Christopher Walken. Yes. Vintage. Com- completely. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah, it's just so good. A lot of unexpected laughs and whatnot in it. So for me, that was the, uh, that, uh, that's my number three, the nice. rundown. I like it. I like what it. What do you got, sir? Uh, well, I'm going to go with, uh, for my number three, a remake, actually. Oh. Uh, this came out in 1999, starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss. Of course, I am talking about the remake of The Mummy. All right. And, All right. Uh, you know, like we were just saying, it, it, it obviously touched on a nerve, I guess, hit a, hit a vein. Uh, movie's budget was $80 million, ended up raking in $416 million at the box office. Remember when Brendan Fraser was just bank? Man, there was a talk stri- about oh, falling Jesus off the cliff. Man. Yeah, he was just on a roll. Oof. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and yeah, it 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 came and went really quick. Yeah, <laughs> but know? in the Mummy, he was perfect. Big yeah, he was. strapping action hero. You yep. know, and just yeah. And worked. who knew? Who knew? Who knew? You know, given the movies he did prior and to Casino Man. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Anytime you're in a movie with Pauly Shore, you gotta yeah. you gotta check your head, man. But, uh, <laughs> But yeah, it uh, it was a, a good, 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 fun movie. It was a nice take on the 1932 original, mm-hmm. and uh, and just fun. And uh, I, as a matter of fact, I saw it on HBO not too long ago, and it's still fun. Yeah, it, it is. really it's is a good flick. Yeah. So what do you got for number two, John? My number two. Let's see here. How about? All right, this one's uh, obscure to the younglings listening out there in okay. uh, interweb okay. radio land. Yeah. Uh, it's a little gem of a movie called Raise the Titanic. Okay. And this was put out, obviously, before they actually found and explored the Titanic. I think right. it was like 1980, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, basically, they, they figure out that there was some type of uh, nuclear fuel that was on board the Titanic. Interesting. Not saying that's why it sunk or anything. Right, right. But it, it was on board there, and it got lost in all the hubbub. Yeah. So it's set up almost like a James Bond-esque thing where they've got to reach this and get this fuel. Yeah. So they have all the, you know, the submarines go down there with the U.S. Navy, and they're looking, and they find it. Yeah. You know, of course, there's like some of the submarines that get crushed like an eggshell <laughs> down there, so you got to have that. <laughs> Death toll, you, you, gotta you, know, you gotta have, have that. Yeah, you gotta have it. And one of my favorite parts is when they actually raise, not that this is even possible, but yeah, yeah they strap inflatable pontoons to it and they, they raise the Titanic and the uh, there's a Russian destroyer pulls up alongside. Oh, no, seriously. And they're kind of like, we know what you're doing and we, we <laughs> want the, the thing is in the safe. And the, so This was what year? 19, uh, it couldn't have been more than 81. Okay, yeah. so, yeah, and it's kind of just... Sure, it's at the, the height of the Cold War. The right? Russians are the bad guys. Oh, of course, of course. Once upon a time, and yet again. Right, so the, the actor who played, um, I think it was the guy that played uh, the really good fighter guy in the original Dune. Okay. Um, not Gunny Halleck, because that was Patrick yeah, Stewart, the played, other guy. Like Duncan yes, Idaho? Yes, yes. Okay. He plays the American CIA guy that organizes this whole thing. Right, right. So the Russians basically saying without saying it, we're going to blow you out of the water if you don't <laughs> give us this thing. So the guy's like, okay. So he goes on his walkie-talkie. He's like, all right, now. 
So then this nuclear submarine of ours breaches out of the water nice. and two F- F-15s fly overhead. So they kind of shut his <laughs> shit down. But the cute part was a small scene with Sir Alec Guinness. There we go. As um, a former crew member of the yeah. Titanic. Obi-Wan he, Kenobi. Oh, yeah. And he te- like I said, not more than 10 minutes is his scene. Yeah. But the way he tells the tale of what happened at night and... He went back into the icy water, you know, to save the flag, which right. he gives to the guy. And he's like, well, if you do raise her, do me a favor and put the flag back on the, on the mast. So right, right. that was kind of sweet. It's amazing how much we've romanticized the whole story of the oh, Titanic yeah. over the years, isn't mm-hmm. it? Totally. Something, totally. Else. Something else. But it worked. A nice, sweet little movie. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So it, uh, number two, correct? Number two, yes. All right. This is kind of a no-brainer slam dunk. I'm going with <laughs> the... First Raiders of the Lost Ark film. You can Raiders put them all the together because that's their wheelhouse. Talk they own about it. <laughs> an all-star crew, yes. directed by Steven Spielberg, based on a story by George Lucas, mm-hmm. starring Harrison Ford. Slam dunk. Totally can't, can't miss. Totally can't miss. Imagine being in a room when that was first pitched. Oh my goodness! But again, it was that return to serials, the same formula that worked mm-hmm. for Star Wars. Yeah, worked in this. And ironically, if I remember the backstory to this. Um, Steven Spielberg had, like, after coming out of the gate and scoring heavily and becoming the golden boy in Hollywood, had suffered a couple of failures and was looking for an opportunity to redeem himself. Mm -hmm. And he and George Lucas, good friends from, you know, back when neither one of them (laughs) were were anything in Hollywood's eyes. And, uh, And Lucas gave Spielberg the movie with the caveat of whatever happens, you do not go over budget. (laughs) How'd that work out? Which apparently Spielberg, you know, he was coming off of 19, I think it was 1941, Mm -hmm. and had gone soaringly over budget. The movie tanked at the box office, so that was a thing. But uh, given a $25 million budget, he stayed within budget, filmed it over $300 million at the box office. Wow. So obviously he justified George Lucas's faith in him. Yep. And uh, and it was one of uh, a couple of films where they touched on biblical themes. If you remember, Mm -hmm. they were... Uh, seeking to recover the uh, Ark of the Covenant in that yeah. film. Which, and at that time, nobody knew what that was. No, no clue whatsoever. <laughs> and, you know, our old standby for, you know, the villains of villains, the Nazis. Of course. You know, were incorporated into that film. And, and again, in retrospect, a, a can't-miss, a can't-miss scenario. Right. Totally. And, uh, and, yeah, they nailed it. You know, it set off a, a, a franchise uh, of future movies. As a matter of fact... In 2023, we're going to have a new Raiders of the Lost Ark film. Yes, we are. So there you go. Spin-off question. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Hit me. To people around the world, they're going to hear your answer. All right. A more important character, Han Solo or Indiana Jones? Damn. Wow. That's tough. That's very tough. I'd have to go with Indiana Jones just because he's the lead character in the Raiders of the Lost Ark films, whereas... Uh, Han Solo, you know, as much as he is loved, mm-hmm. is a supporting character. You're not going to get best actor for Han Solo. Right. You know, you will get it for, you know, the Raiders of the Lost Ark stuff. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, he is a supporting actor in the Star Wars pantheon of films. So, big difference All right. there. Good answer. Good Thank answer. You, you redeemed you. yourself there. All right. All right. Thinking on my feet. <laughs> Got to do it. Got to do it. Never a dull moment with Johnny. No. All right. Speaking of which, Johnny, hit us with your number one. Well, my number one, and again, oh, there were so many contenders for all of these spots. I know. It was tough. But for me, my easy number one, maybe because I'm just going through this 80s nostalgia phase, which yeah. I can't seem to get off no matter 
How hard I scrub. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with the Goonies. Ooh. Speaking of a Spielberg Ooh. classic. Wow. All right. Yep. And reason being, uh, I mean, like all these movies, it's not just the treasure hunt. Yeah. It's the motivation. It's, you know, how, how can you paint a swath of, of um, backstory about whatever the treasure is? So in this case, it was pirate treasure, you right. know? Right, right. But it's these kids that are about to lose their homes because they're going to knock them all down and build a golf course. Yeah. And you got the lead character, Sean Astin. He's got his little asthma inhaler. Sean Astin is a busy yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I mean, just ripe with either current or future stars then. Yeah. Josh Brolin as a teenager was in wow. there. Martha wow. Martha Plimpton. Yeah. Um, I think, I want to say Elizabeth Shue. No, it wasn't no Elizabeth Shue. I think it was some, another girl. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on and on Still and on. Still an amazing cast. And even, uh, what's his name? The the other Corey, the more annoying one. That, Corey uh, Haim? Yeah. Yeah. No, not Corey, the other one. Oh, Corey. <laughs> the one that Michael Jackson diddled, Whoa, supposedly. Jesus. Corey, Corey. <laughs> Remember, this was going to be an escape. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So we'll just say, you know, blotto past that. <laughs> yeah. But again, such a good, and it, well, it did have the Asian kid that played short round. Well, there he we was go. a couple years older All at this right. point. Point. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a sweet story. It's action packed. You got yeah. Mama Fratelli in there. And correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But there's never been a sequel. Never been a sequel. Wow. And that's always been one of those Hollywood stories about like why? When is it? When is the timing right? Yep. This one wants to do it. This one doesn't. Some yep. of the characters, they've all stayed in Hollywood. Yeah. But have gone on to either successful acting careers, or in the case of the fat kid who played Chunk. Went on to be like an agent, you know. Right, I mean, right. but they're still involved in stuff. Yeah. The only one I think that's not alive, I want to say, is um, Sloth, which was played by John Matuzak. Rocky Road? <laughs> the football player. Yeah. The other ones, I mean, they, they should just do it. Man, that's got to be a, a mystery up there with Amelia Earhart. My God. Yep. And they, uh, if you watch the documentary, there's one little sweet spot in there, just again, to show how, how genius. Uh, Spielberg and the director Richard Donner of Superman fame, right. how good they were. Yeah. There's a scene when they finally get through all these traps and they they slide down this like indoor water park in this cave where the pirate ship is held. Yeah. And they hadn't seen the pirate ship up to that point. Okay. So he wanted their reactions to be real. Once they all come down, they land in the water, they swim to the surface, and they see this authentic giant pirate ship in front of them. Right. And at that moment, the camera and there's no dialogue, just pans from one kid to the next, and you can see the expression on their face like, holy shit, you nice. know? Nice. And it, it just it just adds authenticity to an already just good movie. Right, yeah. right. Good wow. family fun. Good call, Johnny. Good call. Yep. Nice. Over to you now. Ah, uh, you know, this, this was, in my mind anyway, a slam dunk, just because it's one of the most classic movies of all time. And I can't even and argue because it's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't already guessed it, folks, I'm going with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Exactly. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Glad I nailed that whistle. 1966, Clint Eastwood, Lee Van Cleef, and Eli Wallach as respectively the good, the bad, and the ugly. Indeed. But, now, I, you know, once you get to the end... That's left for interpretation. It kind of is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Makes you think. Yeah. But uh, like I said to Michael off camera, we were talking about this. You know, I like I like epic stories, and I love me the spaghetti westerns. Yep. And this one more than any other hits on both marks because the breadth and the scope of I mean, the good, the bad, and the ugly is, is easily what like a three hour movie. Yeah, it's close to it, and it takes you all. Over the place. Oh, it's amazing. It's a you roller know? coaster ride. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the, they're trying to steal Confederate gold during mm -hmm. the Civil War. 
You know, it, it people have rightly rightly called it the defining spaghetti western. Yeah. You know, it really is. It's the best of Sergio Leone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it just and the performances are peak. The music, Enrico Maricone. Yeah. It's one of those <laughs> films where, you know, if you're channel surfing mm -hmm. and you come upon it, everything stops. Absolutely. It's like, there we go. That's what we're doing for the next right? three hours. Sorry, honey. You feed the kids. I'm busy. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it just, I mean, just cast so well. Yeah. You know, and just the whole vibe of the film. Do you have a favorite scene from that? Uh, probably. Um, I like the scene where... Clint's character is on the edge of death because he came out of the uh, just come out of the desert, yep. and he crawls over and he gets the the, the uh, location of the treasure mm -hmm. whispered in his ear just before the the soldier dies. Right, you know, and Eli Wallace character comes charging up to him and he realizes the guy's dead. Yep. So now you know, Angel Eyes, who he's been trying to kill. <laughs> Right, hey, like, yeah. Now he's got it. Now he's got to keep him alive, so yep. you can find out whether. So he's like pouring water on him, and he's like, "Don't drink it too fast. Don't drink it too fast." And right, he's gonna like right. bring him back around. You know, that's definitely you know arguably the top scene. The, the scene where they blow up the bridge. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's another. I mean, there's just so many moments. Yeah, because even the their the encounter film. with the, with the uh, the northern troops engaging that battle with, yep. with the rebels. Yeah, it's a small little iconoclasm of of war and the futility. And it's just inserted into this movie, yeah. which is dealing with a much bigger scope of, of, of events and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And it's... Um, well, you get a dose of how heavy the whole Civil War thing was. Yes. Yes. You know, it just, it's, it's just so many aspects of that film, so many layers. Mm -hmm. um, and that, of course, is one of them. And it just, yeah, it's just an amazing film from beginning to end. Yeah. You know, the scene where Lee Van Cleef... Um, comes back to report to the guy who's lying in bed. That, yep, yep. You know, and he's like, he paid just before he died. He paid me to kill you too, <laughs> and I always fulfill a contract. Yep. And he grabs a pillow and puts it over his head <laughs> three times. Boom, boom, boom. It's just like so many of those scenes are yeah. in the film. It just, it's just. Amazing. And the, the, you know, we go on this like forever, but oh, we could the over the overarching effort of the one-upmanship. Yep. between Clint yes, and Eli, yes. which you see in every like like anti-buddy comedy adventure movie yep. since then. Yeah. Never as good as this because they are just horrible to each other. Oh, yeah. But the minute the other one gains the upper hand, boom, rolls are reversed. Yep. You yep. Know? And Clint's like the ultimate anti-hero in this. Yep. You know, the whole scam they're running where, you know, the hanging <laughs> with Eli you know, Wallach and he's like yep. shooting the noose. <laughs> you know, and he's like, yeah, you may have the hand on the trigger, but it's my neck in the noose. Yep. You know, and he finally says, well, I don't think you're going to be worth any more than you are now. They just got like $300. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's like, so I'm letting you go. And he kicks him off the horse and leaves him in the <laughs> desert. <You know? laughs> I mean, there's so many scenes like that throughout the movie. Yeah. You know, and it just, yeah, you just, like I said, you, you stumble across it. Yep. The evening is set. You're locked so, in. See, folks, there's Done still deal. things that myself and Michael Sean Lee can agree on. Shocking, but true. That's why we needed this episode. Absolutely. Oh, God. Absolutely. Good <laughs> fun. Ready Good to fun. ship his ass off to Ukraine. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so, hey. Uh, yes. Are, uh, are we going to do another gem tonight, We are going to do another gem. And this one is, is even more lighthearted than the other two. Yes. And uh, it was probably more apropos because we were going to talk about some of, um, you know, the great uh, imaginary mysteries in the world and yeah. whatnot. But uh, I, I think the point still rings true. 
Uh, it's a little ditty by uh, a band which had some moderate success in the 80s. They might be giants. Folks, every once in a while, Johnny Teflon, <laughs> Johnny T, shocks me with his insights into music and his choice of gems. And actually, you know, I'll admit it, takes me to school. <laughs> and, uh, and this was definitely one of those occasions. You know, pleasantly, pleasantly surprised, willing, you know, to get up on some of these bands that he's aware of. I don't run into too many people that are as knowledgeable, if not more so, well, thank about you, my obscure bands than I am. <laughs> and this is, this is one of those moments I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, in, uh, in pre-show listening to this, and it was like, yeah, man, good gem, good gem. Glad so, you digged it. Why don't you go ahead and billboard it, Johnny? All right, very simply put, well, we got other facts, we'll hit them back with afterwards. But for now, uh, enjoy this ditty by They Might Be Giants, and it's called I Am a Paleontologist. So enjoy this, and we'll be right back in a few with some more things and stuff. I love digging in the dirt With just a pick and brush Finding fossils is my aim So I'm never in a rush Cause the treasures that I seek Rare and ancient things like Velociraptor's jaw or Archaeopteryx's wings. Now all the kids who want to see them are lining up at the museum. I am a paleontologist. That's who I am. That's who I am. Crushing plants with rounded teeth Or ferocious carnivore Who moves so quickly on its feet It's like pieces of a puzzle That I love to try and solve It's so fun to think about How a species has evolved And all the kids Who want to see them Can check them out I am a paleontologist. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. I am a paleontologist. That's who I am. 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 Because they might, they might be giants. <laughs> <laughs> well, fun little tunes like Man. that geared towards kids. Man, they will be giants. Props to those guys. Yep. That, uh, of course, is I am a paleontologist. Um, for those not in the know, including me, prior to tonight, <laughs> uh, the uh, the song was recorded in two thousand eight. It was released in two thousand nine off of their two thousand nine album. Here comes the science. And there you go. Yeah. These nice. guys these guys did some damage back in the day. They got some Grammys. Yeah. 
You know, they did well. Yeah. And like we might have mentioned, most people know them for the uh, theme song to Malcolm in the Middle, You're Not the Boss of Me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they had that sound that, you know, a a bunch of bands had a similar sound in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, they they fit into that genre. Yeah. So it's like the forgotten genre of, I don't know what you'd call it, like pseudo rock, ska, kind of. Yeah, but with intelligent lyrics. Yeah. 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 Irreverent. They were the irreverent crew. Yep. So, yeah, good call, Johnny. I like right. it. I like, like it. it. So, uh, normally, this would be when I say, hey, John, what's going on in Big Boom Radio this week? And I'll but make something up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yank something out of thin air. Yeah. But, uh, but instead, we're going to go back to um, the discussion we were having over these movies and yeah. treasure yeah. hunting. Just because there was such a long list of honorable mentions. Yes, yeah, so many we had to like put on the shelf. Yeah, that were painful to, 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 to not include. Right, so here's so, our, our last dibs on, on one more we want to recommend yes, to the good folks at home. Absolutely. Want me to go first? Please. All right. Uh, mine's short and sweet, and not like not an epic movie, but it's just something good. It's enjoyable, and it's off the beaten path. Yeah, uh, it's called Race for the Yankee Zephyr. Okay, I think it was another like mid '80s movie starring Ken Wall. Uh, Donald Pleasance is in it. George nice. Papard, wow. when he was still alive, he was in it. A team flashback. Yeah, wow. right, right. And he's go. a bad guy. In this is he one. really? Yes. Okay, okay, a very just. Cavalier, bad guy. Yeah, was, leave it at that. was he yeah, debonair? A little, yeah, yeah. Right. A little swave into boner. Yeah. Like it, like it. <laughs> and uh, basically, going after a um, a, a lost uh, U.S. cargo plane from World War II, laden with gold for the okay. war effort. Yeah. Uh, nice scenery, good pace, action, everything. So yeah, I recommend that one. It's it's so funny how so many of these romantic tales come out of times of war. Yes, indeed. You know, and people yep. trying to abscond with treasures, and other people trying to steal them and whatnot. You know, yep. that's good stuff. Uh, okay, well, uh, fallback, uh, uh, one that was painful for me to admit, or omit, I should say, uh, an absolute classic, 1948's The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Absolute classic. Uh, Humphrey Bogart in his prime. And you're a big uh, Bogart fan. I have it on uh, good authority. I'm a huge Bogart fan. <laughs> I really am. I've, I've, I've read the books, I've done the research, I've seen the movies. Yep. I mean, so much good stuff. That guy was something else. And... You know, quite a history in Hollywood, quite a respected man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, uh, like many people, uh, I know you in particular have gone through it as well because we've discussed this. I went through a, a, a Sinatra phase, a Rat mm-hmm. Pack phase. Sure, sure. And, uh, and Bogart was a huge, huge influence on all of those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be argued that he taught Frank Sinatra how to be cool. Right. And, uh, and yes, yeah, so, many, so many amazing performances out of Humphrey Bogart. This movie being one of them, of course. Well, I tell you what, uh, as time allows, um, your three favorite Bogart movies. Go. Uh, <laughs> without a doubt, Casablanca is number one. Mm-hmm. Um, Treasure of the Sierra Madre is definitely in that mix, either number two or number three. And the one they did, uh, it, it was down in Florida. There Key was Largo. Key, thank you. Yep. That would be my three <laughs> right there. Well, I'd say what, Key Largo is my number three as well. Good. And I'd love, um, you know, having been down in the Keys during a super nasty storm. Really? I love the way, even back then, the storm was the main character. Yep. Granted, yep. you had you had Bogey. And you had um, Edward G. Robinson as the gangster. Oh, yeah, classic. But the storm is the real star of that. It and is. It's terrifying. But it, it taps into uh, the, uh, what is it, the archetype of redemption. Yes. And that's what I like yep. about that character that Bogart played. You know, he was, you know, down. He was really, really uh, a defeated mm-hmm. guy. 
And he, under the circumstances... Yeah, soldier boy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he stepped up, you know, and he regained his honor. Yep. You know? Now, having seen Casablanca later in life, yeah. I, I would never be able to be at much of a fan as, say, you or other people have seen it, you know, yeah. in its entirety forever. All-time classic. Uh, for me, my, my one and number two, my number one would have to be African Queen. Nice. Just an epic tale yep. that's got everything yep. in it. And uh, my number two, because of his performance that so many other movies have been based on, and in it, it itself, uh, I think, loosely based on um, The Bounty, would be his turn yes. as uh, Commander yes. Queeg yes. in... Um, oh. Mutiny on the Bounty? Thank you. No, yeah. it's... Um, no, the... Uh, what? No, no. It's... Um, no. Not Second World Mutant War II. It's not Mutant on the Bounty, no. Separate movie. It was it like we, a sequel or something? No, no, no. Because uh, it's set in World War II. Okay. He's the captain. He goes into shell shock and like melts down. Okay. Oh, I is can't this, believe... Is this a film where they end up taking a torpedo at the very end? Nope. No? Okay. Nope. Okay. No, it's... um. He, 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 he winds up getting... Well, they, they take control of the ship. Right. I can't believe I can't remember the name. It's, it's right there. And oh, my goodness. How embarrassing. But again, all-star cast. Right. And... Um, Mel Ferrar, father of Miguel Ferrer, yes. yeah. yeah. plays a, a defense attorney, and he is representing these mutineers who all had good reason okay. to take control of this ship. Was it this, the Kane mutiny? Thank you. Right. Oh, my all God. Right. Thank yep. you. Now I can yep. sleep tonight. Yep. So, yeah, so they yeah, took great control. Film. Great film. But you start to see, like, at the end, after everything's happened, one or more of them might have had like selfish reasons. So there's yep. this famous scene where they're celebrating being exonerated for taking control of the ship. Yeah. And Miguel Ferrer comes down, he's ties loose and he's all drunk, you know. Yeah. yeah. And he goes up to Fred McMurray, uh, <laughs> my three Fred, sons, yes, right? He was yes. the lead guy. And he throws his drink in his face, you know. And he's like, Look at you. What you've done is you you've helped ruin a decent man. And he's like, I do something about it, but I'm a bit too drunk. <laughs> so if you want me, I'll be like throwing up outside, you know. Nice. And it's just like boom. Yeah. And then the other mutineers like all of a sudden have this epiphany yeah. that they're like, yeah, he was like super bad, but we probably shouldn't have mutinied. And they all look at Fred McMurray, turn their back to him, and walk out the room. Wow. So it was it was like heavy stuff, but yeah. Yeah. Bogart on the stand getting cross examined better than. Few good Jack men. Nicholson and a yeah. few good men, but cut from the same cloth, right. you know. So, right. yeah, yeah, and there were there were a lot of parallels to uh, Mutiny on the Bounty in that mm -hmm. film. It's obvious that whoever wrote that film was heavily influenced by sure, that. Yeah. sure, and yeah, a great film, yeah. an absolutely great film. And so there uh, we go, folks. See, yeah. free movies for you to watch, and wow. they're all kid friendly. Good stuff, right? Good all stuff right. all around. And on that note, my friend, this episode, this not a very special episode, <laughs> but special in its own way, has come it, to an it end. It is so not special, it's special. Exactly. There we go. We can, we can agree with that. All right. All right. So as always, I am Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we're so happy you joined us. And we'll see you again on the flip side.